Well, last week I uh, caught up with uh, Pastor Wayne Hughes, and Wayne was one of the leading AOG pastors in New Zealand for more than 30 years. In fact, he led the whole AOG movement for about 10 years. He was a pastor of Harborside Church, or when it was Takapuna AOG, and saw the development and the building of it, and um, a marvellous man of God and leader within the New Zealand church. It was actually through him that we had the uh, connection with Heidi Baker. And uh, we hadn't spoken since COVID and all the things that had happened. And so he just contacted me and said, hey, I just I want to take you out to lunch. Just want to find out how things are going with you guys and what's happening. And uh, it was just really a, a wonderful time of encouragement. And uh, we got talking to him about the church in New Zealand and really what he had seen over the years. And you know, as I start, drove back to church, I started to think about our 30 years in leadership. And, uh, you know, we've certainly been through a lot of things, all sorts of things. Some things beautiful, some things not so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> some delightful times and some times of difficulty. Seasons that were pleasant and seasons that were painful. There's been great joy and there's been great heartache. But, you know, I've been, as I was thinking through all this and just even thinking over just my last couple of weeks, I realised that, you know, with the perspective of years, as I really consider all in all, I can confidently say that God causes all things to work together for good. Yeah, amen, eh? And as I thought about it, it occurred to me, you know, that the best way to describe our journey to me is that our story is a story of tapestry, a tapestry of grace. It's like, you know, your story is a tapestry of grace. It's for all those who are in Christ, the good news is nothing less than, hey, listen, everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. You know, the dawn of the 14th century, Europe was experiencing a technological boom. Uh, it was great economic prosperity, and then, in all honesty, all hell broke loose. You could really say everything was on fire. Europe was hit with a, a series of disasters that seemed to be, for many people, right out of the book of Revelation. There was economic collapse, uh, climate change occurred with the Little Ice Age. I don't know if you know, but the River Thames at one stage froze. It was 30 centimetres thick with ice. And it spread so far out into the ocean that harbours, some of the harbours couldn't be used. Uh, there was a 100-year war, which lasted 116 years, go figure. There was widespread famine. And worst of all, the Black Death or the bubonic plague broke out. And many people living through the horrors of the 14th century Europe thought it was literally the end of the world. In Norwich in England, there, there lived a woman who had come known as Lady Julian. And like many others, she contacted the dreaded Black Death and for weeks she hovered in the space between life and death. And during that time, Jesus came to her in a series of visions. And eventually she did recover and uh, probably about 30 years later, she recorded these visions that she'd had with Jesus. And she entitled it in a book called The Revelations of Divine Love. And uh, in fact, it was the first book written in English by a woman, The Revelations of Divine Love. And, and in that time, Julian asked exactly the same questions we ask today. She asked Jesus about human suffering. And eventually in her, in her visions, Jesus says this, he says it is true that sin is the cause of all this pain. But then he said this, but all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said a similar thing. All things work together for good. And Jesus revealed to Lady and Julian that all shall be well. 
So what I mean when I say that our lives are destined to be a tapestry of grace, I really want you, firstly, I thought it would be good to just share a little bit about tapestries. Tapestries are, I don't think we're still going to be working, are often associated with the medieval times. The most famous tapestry is one called the Bayou Tapestry, which is in France. That there is actually because it's behind glass. And it's a uh, pictorial story of the conquest of England by William, Duke of Normandy. Which, if any of you are history buffs, include the Battle of Hastings. And it really outlines a two-year story from 1064 to 1066. And, it, and it, there's 75 different scenes there. And why it looks like that is because it's actually 70 metres long. And it was created in the 1080s, so it's roughly... Or, you know, a couple of hundred years old already. I mean, sorry, it's all over a century old. And uh, it's absolutely stunning. Sue and I got the visit in 2019. There's a couple of pictures, there's a picture of it. So it's all just this one continuous story, or 75 scenes picked in this one tapestry. It's just amazing, absolutely incredible. Because you see, what they did in the Middle Ages, they took tapestries and they were very common and they were hung in, in castles and palaces, and the reason they were hung, because they told the story of the king's glory. And you see, what well, that's the point. Your story of life, the story of your life is to adorn the courts of heaven. See, through your life, you're going to tell the glory of our king. You know, God is a poem, a poet, and we are his poem. God is an artist, and we are the works of his hands. God is weaving our lives together as a tapestry of grace. But the thing about tapestries is that they are actually made from the back. The artist works on the back side of the tapestry office of often. And I don't even know if you've ever seen the back of a tapestry, but here's one here. <laughs> it's got hanging threads, tangled knots, colours all over the place. It's really hard to make sense of it, and it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. It just looks like a mass confusion. And that's where the artist works, on that backside, amongst all that mess. But when you turn it over, you get the true picture. Everything changes. You see, the tapestry on the front side tells a beautiful story. And we can comprehend exactly what's being said. On one side in the front is this wonderful story. On the back side is a tangled mess that doesn't often make sense. And it's interesting that the, the, both sides use the same threads, but they tell totally different stories. One is one of chaos and one is of coherent beauty. Uh, and have you got what I'm trying to say to you? Sometimes in the present moments of our lives, we seem to be living in a painful, chaotic mess. Sometimes when we're living right in that moment <laughs> and we look at the backside of the tapestry, everything's tangled, everything's hanging there. It doesn't make any sense. It's just a big, big mess. Our lives seem to be like that. But the one who is, who is weaving on the loom, he, he, has a, he has a story of our life in his hands and he's creating a beautiful picture of grace. You know, Jeremiah called... Uh, God a potter, and I'm calling him a weaver this morning, but the point is the same. When you enter the grace of salvation, your times are in the hands of God. 
David knew that. He said, I trust you, O Lord. My times are in your hands. And, and you know, I think that's the way we've got to live our lives. We've got to be in that place where even in the heart, and look, I know it's hard, but we've got to be in that place where we say, God, my times are in your hands. Even my hard times, my times, Lord, are in your hands. I trust you. You see, time is where we experience the moments of our life. That's what they comprise of time. Mark Twain once said this. He said, time is that which keeps everything from happening at once. Time is, is where part of our experience is that it's painful, sorrow, heartbreak, loss and death. But you know what? Here's the important thing we need to remember. That Jesus, as the incarnate Logos, the word of God that became flesh, he did so that he might dwell among us and experience time with us. You see, God is transient and timeless. He's outside of that. But the word, the word became, became flesh and enters into time with us. Jesus, as the incarnate logo, shares the sorrow of times with us. That's why when Jesus was with Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, he wept. Now, he knows in a matter of moments he is going to raise, he's going to turn the sorrow and the joy, he's going to raise Lazarus back into life. Joy is going to become, mourning is going to turn into dancing. In just a few moments, he's going to call Lazarus forth and all the sorrow is going to flee away. But Jesus weeps in that moment with Mary and Martha because in that moment they were weeping. And the word made flesh, who is Jesus Christ, shares time with us. And so when, he, when we weep, he is there with us to share our sorrows with us. God shares time with us. Jesus shares time with us. But God is also transient. And, but he works. He works in our time like a weaver on the loom to know that we can have that confidence. We know all things work for good for those who love God. In fact, why don't you say that with me? We know that all things work for good to those who love God. All things work for good. But there's something very important we need to remember that. God does not cause all things to happen. Let's be clear about that. God does not cause all things to happen. Our, our freedom is real. Our freedom is real. We get to make choices. So all kinds of things do happen. And much of what happens comes from the reality of evil in the world and just the, the cool vulgarities of life, of chance. You see, God, God does not cause all things to happen. But God does take all things that do happen and he works them together for good. Do you see the difference? You know, it's easy sometimes when we have that idea that God has all, makes all things work together for good, that you can get a very fatalistic view that he is the one who's caused it. No, no, no. No, not at all. The bad things have happened to you, but the hand of grace is on the loom. And the things that happen that are the threads of our life, that every moment, the, every event, every joy, every sorrow, every victory, every defeat, every hope, every dash hope, every relationship, every lost relationship, all the things that happen, the job you had, the job you've lost, 
all of that, every, every moment is a thread in the tapestry of grace that God is creating. And taken in, individually, you may say, well, some of these threads are better than others, and they are. Some threads I want to keep, trust me, some threads I really do want to get rid of. I don't want to, I could happily lose them. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. In your life, God takes all the threads. He takes all the threads. Some are pleasant and silken. Some are coarse and harsh. And he knits them together. And the good news is that God weaves them together in such a way that at the end, the whole story is beautiful. You know, in fact, in some ways, sometimes there's something really bad happens and, and it's painful. And then and after a while, you look at it and you think, where is it almost? Did God take it away? No, he, he doesn't take them away because it's part of who we are. But he just takes them and he weaves them into the story in such a way that put in the context of your story, you go, oh, I understand now. I understand now. That was a way from getting me from grace to grace. It was a stepping stone that moved me from glory to glory, from faith to faith. See, being human, we want every day, every single thing to be perfect. But you know what? That's not how we grow. That's not how we mature. That's not how we become like the Son, become like Jesus. And, and you know, the, it's actually those times sometimes of hardness that actually moulds us the most like Jesus. You know, I, I can name a thousand and one bad things that have happened to me. I'm sure you can. But when I add them all up and I look at my life, they don't end up as something. The total isn't bad. The total is good. Sincerely. We know that God takes all things and turns them to work for get together for good. He wears them together for good, not for evil, but for good. And this is, you know, this is because grace works in our lives from the point of arrival right throughout our lives. You see, sometimes we understand and we think the power of grace only happens at the beginning of our lives. You know, my life was a mess. I met Jesus, and from here on, on it's going to be great. And that's true enough, but it's not the whole story. With the arrival of salvation in our life, grace works in both directions. Do you know that? It works forward, but it also works backwards. It works backwards to redeem our past, to find a way to take all things and work them together for good. It's what C.S. Lewis describes in the Chronicles of Narnia as the healing of harms. It's called the apocalypse. Status. I knew I was going to have trouble with that. Restoration of all things. All things that have happened really happened, and they were painful. Many of them were painful. Yet, in the, yet there's a time where there's a healing of harms, there's a restoration of all things. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis's good friend, he puts that forward in the, at the end of The Lord of the Rings. And good old Samwise Gamgee sends, says to Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought myself dead. Is everything sad going to become untrue? Is everything sad going to become untrue? You see, that's the good news of Jesus Christ as an artist who creates the tapestries of grace. Everything sad is going to come untrue. Nothing bad is going to last upon you. And things do work together for good. 
and they shall be well. All shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And you know, when we look at the dark, ugly threads that, that, that are in our life where we suffer, we do. Look, there's no denying this suffering because we're in a moment of time. But we must never, ever let go of the promise that in the end, the whole tapestry of your life is going to be beautiful. That your life is going to hang, in a sense, on the walls of heaven and going to declare the glory of your king. Eventually, it's going to be displayed in the courts of heaven. And you'll be stunned by the beauty of your life story. And even you know, even though you know that that beauty incorporates some awful, evil, harmful things that have happened, you'll look at it and you'll say, don't remove anything because God has made it perfect. God has caused all things to work together for good and for beauty. Don't change a thing because you see, you're going to love your story. But here's the thing. Do not quit in the middle of your story. Do not quit. Because I tell you, everything is going to be all right. Let that be a prophetic word for you today. Everything is going to be all right. Someday you may even get to the point where you think, hey, nothing bad ever happened to me when you're in heaven. You, you might, I thought it did, but I look at my life now and everything's going on. But I know we're not in that day yet. But someday, when everything has been sad, has become untrue, and everything's been redeemed, and everything's been made beautiful, and that, then we're going to know the glory of the King. But in the present moment, we can only believe it. We can't always see it. You know, we're, we, we're sometimes I think we're a little bit like a fly on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> you know? I mean, a fly's pretty close. It's a beautiful, amazing piece of artwork. But a fly lands on a little grey bit and thinks, oh, this sucks. It's not very pretty at all, is it? Because they don't look back. They can't. They don't, they're so close in proximity. They can't see. They don't have the perspective of eternity. And we don't have the perspective of eternity. And that's why, what's what the book of Revelation is all about. The book of Revelation understands that we are like flies on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And we need help in getting a perspective. And so the apocalyptic text of Revelation gives us a big final picture. A picture so big we, can see, we can't see it in our limited moment, in the perspective of our present moment. But there's a whole cosmos of human history transformed into a tapestry of grace. God will wipe away, it says, every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Sorrow and crying will be no more. Pain will be no more. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. In our cafe, we have a beautiful picture there. The, the um, wonderful display called Beauty from Brokenness. And it was created by a number of our women celebrating the truth of what I'm talking about exactly this morning. Brokenness becomes beauty in the hands of Jesus. And it made me think of Kintsagi pottery. That's a, the Japanese art of taking broken ceramics and mending them with gold. There's one there, for instance. You see it? It's a broken cup, but it's been mended. 
and it's had gold put in it in many ways it's more beautiful than just a plain white bowl. And I don't know about you, but, you know, there's times where I know I've been broken and I feel like I've been shattered by an empty bowl. And the Lord's come and restored. He's still restoring and filling me up. See, in one sense, we've all been broken because we're made of clay, the Bible says. None of us get through life without brokenness. But Jesus is the master of restoration. I mean, this is a simply clay ceramic clump. Up. Where does the gold come from? The artist provided it, which to say it's grace. I'm shattered, but when God comes, he puts a whole lot more gold into it and makes it even more beautiful, more broken. And, and sometimes the more broken we are, the more gold we need to be fixed. Every crack, every place of brokenness, Jesus is going to bind it together with the gold of his grace. So just like Samwise Ganji said to Gandalf, everything is sad is going to become untrue. And then Gandalf replied, he said, a great shadow across the land has departed, and he began to laugh. The laughter was like the sound of music, it says, like water in a parched land. And that's what happens. The parched land of our lives receives the grace and glory of God. And as we receive that grace, we become refreshed. I want to finish by reading something from a book by Brian Zahn, actually called When Everything's on Fire. Something is happening to me. Something is bubbling in me. Like I'm about to laugh. Like I just heard the best news. Uninspected, yet a secret I've always known. I believe. Like never before, I believe in Jesus. I believe what the Gospels tell, what the creeds confess. But it's more than that. How can I explain? I believe in the greatest wonder of all that the word became flesh. So God could join us. God becoming human to heal humanity. I believe Jesus is all in all. That all things summed up in him. I believe in the restoration of all things. Jesus is the saviour of the world. It's more than a rescue of a few. Lucky elect souls. Whistle off to heaven in the last second as a consolation prize for a God whose plan didn't quite work. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's bigger than we ever imagined. I look at the crucified and believe. I see perfect love providing the solution. Arms outstretched to embrace even hatred. Healing a world gone wrong with his wounds. Sin forgiven. Satan defeated. War abolished. Death destroyed. Creation restored. I believe in the mystic's 13th revelation of divine love. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. I didn't say I could explain it or defend it, but I believe it. I believe the gospel John gave, the Galilean prophet, who is I am, bread, light, gate, shepherd, resurrection, vine, way, truth, life. I believe we can eat his flesh and drink his blood and live forever. I believe the vision John saw, new Jerusalem, new heaven, new earth. I'm laughing now because I believe it when Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. I'm laughing now because I believe that in the end, love wins. Love believes all things and hopes all things. What would love believe about God? Then believe that. What would love believe about hope for humanity? Then hope that. And laugh now, even if it's just for a little bit. I love what he says, I'm laughing now because I believe it when Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. 
I'm laughing now because I believe in the end love wins. Love believes all things and hopes all things. What would love believe about God? Believe that. What would love hope for humanity? Hope that. Amen. Simon, can you come on up? Father, we thank you. We thank you that we live in a kingdom where the final chapter has yet to be written. We thank you for your victory to come. Can the worship team come on up? Yeah, Lord, we thank you where the final chapter has yet to be won. We thank you for the victory to come, where that all things are going to be made new. Lord, we have yet to see the front side of the tapestry that you're creating in each one of our lives. But by faith today, Lord, we have confidence to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for every strand of, of our lives that you have taken and that you're knitting into it with grace to make great and beautiful that would bring glory to you. Father, today I stand and I declare, regardless of the circumstances, the war, the issues, the problems, I stand and declare the Word of God. We know that all things work for good for those who love love God. You know, the Passion Bible says it this way. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. We are as lovers who have been called to fulfill His design purposes. Father, we are indeed your lovers, and we thank you that we are being formed into a tapestry of grace for the glory of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those in valleys. I pray for those that are in hard times right now. I pray for those that are in wastelands right now. Father, I pray for courage. Lord, I pray for comfort. I pray for a fresh touch of the oil of God right now, right across this house, Lord. Just right now, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just release your Holy Spirit afresh. And Lord, I pray that you would use our lives for your glory. Father, we thank you that we have every confidence that whatever is happening in our lives, your hand is upon us. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't been caught by surprise by what's happening. But you're there with us. And I pray for that, Lord. I pray that you would give us a sense of your presence today. Lord, if we're going through hard times, I pray that we be aware, that, Lord, there be awareness of your Holy Spirit right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence and we love you.